Letter 50 of The Power of Sympathy, or the Triumph of Nature Founded in Truth, by William Hill Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letter 50. Harriet to Harrington. Boston must i then forget the endearments of the lover and call you by the name of brother but does our friendship remain upon this foundation is this all that unites us and has there subsided nothing more tender a sentiment more voluntary in our hearts my feelings affirm that there was at the hour of our first interview i felt the passion kindle in my breast insensible of my own weakness i indulged its increasing violence and delighted in the flame that fired my reason and my senses do you remember our walks our conversations our diversions the remembrance of these things fill my mind with inconceivable torture they seem to reproach me with unmerited criminality i deprecate i detest all these scenes of gaiety and frivolity yet i have preserved my innocence and my virtue what then have i to deprecate what have i to detest alas how have we been forming schemes of happiness and mocking our hearts with unsubstantial joys farewell farewell ye gilded scenes of imagination how have we been deluded by visionary prospects and idly dwelt upon that happiness which was never to arrive how fleeting have been the days that were thus employed when anticipation threw open the gates of happiness and we vainly contemplated the approach of bliss and we beheld in reversion the pleasures of life and fondly promised ourselves one day to participate in them when we beheld in the magic mirror of futurity the lively group of loves that sport in the train of joy we observed in transports of delight the dear delusion and saw them as it were in bodily form pass in review before us as the fabled hero views the region of pair-existent spirits and beholds a race of men yet to be born such was our hope but even this fairy anticipation was not irrational we were happy in idea nor was the reality far behind and why is the vision vanished oh i sink i die when i reflect when i find in my harrington a brother i am penetrated with inexpressible grief i experience uncommon sensations i start with horror at the idea of incest of ruin of perdition how do i lament this fatal discovery that includes the termination of a faithful love i think of him who i have resolved to be eternally constant and ah oh, how often have i resolved it in my heart i indulge in idea the recollection of his caresses of his protestations of his truth and sincerity i become lost in a wilderness and still i travel on and find myself no nearer in escape 
I cherish the idea of a lover. I see the danger and do not wish to shun it, because to avoid it is to forget it. And can I, at one stroke, erase from my mind the remembrances of all in which my heart used to delight? Ah, oh, I have not the fortitude, I have not the virtue to forget myself to marble. On the contrary, I strive no longer to remember our present connection. I endeavor to forget. I curse the idea of a brother. My hand refuses to trace the word, and yet the name appears already written, blotted out my tears. Ah, oh, whence this sorrow that invests my soul, this gloom that darkens, this fire of impassioned grief that involves all my thoughts. Why do I rave, and why do I again abandon myself to despair? Come, O oh Harrington, be a friend, a protector, a brother. Be him on whom I could never yet call by the tender, the endearing title of parent. I will reverence him in whom all the charities of life are united. I will be dutiful and affectionate to you, and you shall be unto me as a father. I will bend on the knee of respect and love, and will receive your blessing. Why did you go away so soon? Why leave me when I was incapable of bidding you adieu? When you pressed my cheek with the kiss of love, of fraternal affection, what meant its conscious glow? What meant the ebullition of my veins, the disorder of my nerves, the intoxication of my brain, the blood that mantled in my heart? My hand trembled, and every object seemed to swim before my doubtful view. Amidst the struggle of passion, how could I pronounce the word? How could I call you by the title of brother? True, I attempted to articulate the sound, but it died upon my tongue, and I sank motionless into your arms. Allied by birth, and in mind, and similar in age, and in thought still more intimately connected, the sympathy which bound our souls together at first sight is less extraordinary. Shall we any longer wonder at its irresistible impulse? Shall we strive to oppose the link of nature that draws us to each other? When I reflect on this, I relapse into weakness and tenderness and become a prey to warring passions. I view you in two distinct characters. If I indulge the idea of one, the other becomes annihilated, and I vainly imagine I have my choice of a brother or... I am for a while calm, but alas, how momentary is that calmness. I dwell with rapture on what fancy has represented, but is the choice regulated by virtue? Is it prompted by reason? I recollect myself and endeavor to rouse my prudence and fortitude. I abhor my conduct and wish for obscurity and forgetfulness. 
Who can bear the torment of fluctuating passion? How deplorable is the contest! The head and the heart are at variance, but when nature pleads, how feeble is the voice of reason! Yet, when reason is heard in her turn, how criminal appears every wish of my heart! What remorse do I experience? What horrors surround me? Will my feeble frame, already wasted by a lingering decline, support these evils? Will the shattered, frail bark outride the tempest, and will the waves of affliction beat in vain? Virtue, these precepts I have not forgotten, will assist me, if not to surmount, at least to suffer with fortitude and patience. Oh, I fear, I fear my decaying health. If I must depart, let me beseech you to forget me. I know the strength of your passion, and I dread the fatal consequences my departure may occasion you. Once more, let me entreat you, my dear friend, to arm yourself with every virtue which is capable of sustaining the heaviest calamity. Let the impetuosity of the lover's passion be forgotten in the undisturbed quietness of the brother's affection, and may all the blessings that life can supply be yours. Seek for content, and you will find it, even though we should never meet again in this world. Adieu. End of letter 50